The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Today is Wednesday, July 26th, and today is National Coffee Milkshake Day. That just sounds all kinds of bad. It's also National Bagel Fest Day, as well as National Aunt and Uncle's Day, on top of National All or Nothing Day and National Disability Independence Day. Oh, yeah. Thank you all for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top hand corner of your screen to see where we live on the internet. <coughs> Excuse me. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Twitter spaces. And if you are joining us in Twitter spaces, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand if you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented. But kicking it off first, we have the dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico Lamite, the Quasimodo caretaker, the flip-flopping specialist. And we're not just talking about pancakes and flapjacks. We're talking about real flippity-floppity. Oh, yeah. It's the dope dad himself, Rico Lamite. Oh, yeah, Jason. You know what time it is. It's time to talk about New York City, New Trap City, as we like to call it. And um, first one's juicy, so let's get into it. Less than two weeks ago, we covered the story about a New York enforcement raid on Empire Cannabis Club. Um, the family-owned and run unlicensed retail chain with six locations in New York City. Now, the members of the Elfin family are speaking out about the raid, saying that they're flipping the script and taking New York state regulators to court. But will they win? The drama began to, uh, July 12th. Empire co-owner Jonathan Elfin says... New York Police Department and state tax agents stormed into the Elfin's Chelsea location and seized about $60,000 worth of flour, edibles, vapes, and more. They then packed up the products into a red van and sped off. The NYPD hit squad uh, and their attempt on a second Empire property on uh, Manhattan's Lower East Side, run by Jonathan's sister, Lenore, wasn't so successful. Both siblings were placed in handcuffs and the staff was visibly shaken, but both stores have since resumed operations. In an interview with Forbes, Lenore said this, we are going to court. This time is to prove our legality, what we believed all along and how we're operating under the law, New York wrote. We have to fight and now is our chance. They came at us first. 
Anybody else in the room getting John Rambo first blood vibes from that shit? I like that, Lenore. Keep on going, girl. Uh, last month, New York's Office of Cannabis Management posted uh, emergency regulations on unlicensed activities shortly after Governor Kathy Hochul's launch of an interagency tax for, uh, task force consisting of agents from OCM and the Department of Taxation and Finance um, ordered to seize unlicensed products and shut down illegal shops. The Elfins insist their business is legal. And they argue that their shop provides a concierge service where supporters pay a membership fee to gain access to cannabis products. Under New York's uh, 2021 MRTA, membership clubs are considered legal due to a safe harbor provision for such business models. That's what the Elfins are basing their legal defense on 2021 rules. Um, although last month's move by Hochul to crack down on illegal players may have rescinded Empire's safe harbor status, they claim the city's cease and desist that was sent to illegal operators was dated from last year, 2022, back when Safe Harbor was still a thing. So the agents have no right to raid their shops, they say. Since launching in 2021, Empire's clubs have gained over 120,000 active members, and the family swears that they'll do all in their power to fight to continue blessing their followers with the product selection that they promised. Jonathan Elfin, a proud formerly incarcerated operator, told Forbes that he's confident that the family business is legal and he, he's confident in their legal position. And if he loses, he's ready to do time behind bars again. I do everything because I know I'm right. If I am wrong somehow and I lose, I'll take 30 years. Let's get it on with. Hell yeah. I had nine news. We'll definitely be following the legal showdown between Empire and the state of New York closely and providing updates as they come. But what do y'all think? Will the Elfins come out on top? What would an empire victory mean for the rest of New York's gray market community? Let's discuss. I'm Rico Lamit, dopest dad on the street. What do y'all think about this one? Glad to have you on today, Luke, for this one. What do you think, man? <laughs> Rico, I got a question for you first. So in the article, are, you, are they suggesting the safe harbor provision that they're saying they're legal on they're suggesting it was old and that's why it's not no longer applicable is that what you said because you said it was the from a while ago desist. yeah the cease and desist that was sent to illegal operators was uh they say that it, it was dated 2022 before the rules changed they interesting they, they, made a, they made a clerical error so they are still operating under last year's rules I, I mean, yeah. I I'd like, like to know Dale's opinion. He's yeah, shaking his head. exactly. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Part of the problem is that it's a gray area. And the law is black and white. When you're called in to discuss what you did, you're trying to argue gray. It don't even get out of your mouth because what does the law say? And if you even put a notice, the law has been suspended, taken off the books, or you're told it's no longer applicable. And, uh, what point do you really get much sympathy in the courts? So we used to have these situations here with these nonprofit mutual benefit corporations and little, you know, they set up speakeasies, if you will. People could, yeah, all kinds of ways to get around what you're doing is a felony. Okay? So that's that was litigated here in California a long time ago. And it just, the dog doesn't hunt very well. So what we need is clarity and what we're getting is great. So good luck with that. 
Yeah, I I don't think that this this legal argument is 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 solid at all in regards to them being able to 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 remain open. I think it's only time until they ultimately get another visit and another court order or whatnot. But I don't see how they're going to be able to try to say, oh, that law doesn't apply to us because we were da 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 da. I'm not I'm not, I'm not buying that argument. It doesn't. And doesn't the city just have to update the date on there? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That the city has the right to change laws and change how 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 things happen, and and it's up to businesses to be able to conform with that. So I don't. I think I think they would have had a much stronger argument if they argued their constitutional right to to operate a business and the fact that they were open prior to the laws change. I think that would make a lot more sense of an argument for them for them to uh, come up with in this court as opposed to what they're currently arguing. Yeah, that would that would actually fall in the grandfather clause, and that actually does have some traction in in a lot of localities. Um, in this particular case, I don't see them getting far into the in the court system with this one. Um, I respect and listen. I respect the hell out of the. I'll do the thirty years and all that stuff. Sounds good until they slap that uh, khaki uniform on you, and you got to do that thirty years. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a whole different beat then. Yeah. Well, one of the problems is I don't know that New York has made um, marijuana or cannabis legal in a, in a general sense across the state. And that's where these local jurisdictions have traditional police powers. And typically, as long as you're not in contravention of general law, they allow local jurisdictions to do what they want. But if marijuana or cannabis is illegal in New York, then how far can these local jurisdictions go trying to license or deal with illegal businesses? And the arguments about it's legal and it's not end up in the courts uh, because these some of these statutes that get on the books assume things that the courts may not buy your assumption that you're operating an illegal business and you're really not. There's a lot of steps mm -hmm. to take, check off all those boxes. And the safe harbor gave you time to go make your application, continue to operate, some time to get an application processed and through but in the middle of that they can still change their mind so it, is is yeah. there any indication of why uh they have singled out this operator i mean there are hundreds thousands of illegal operators why are these guys getting raked over the coals well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I would guess huh? they're one of the largest games. They're one of the largest, uh, lar largest uh, guys in the game in, in regards within this space. They have six six stores throughout New York, and that's they're just one of the larger targets. They're very much more visible than a lot of the other ones. And they said they have uh, one hundred and twenty thousand plus members. <laughs> there you go. Mm -hmm. So they're they are serving <laughs> very open and outwardly, and. Um, It'll be interesting to see how this goes down, but I'm with, I'm with y'all. <laughs> I mean, I'm no attorney, but I think they might have a little viable defense here. With really? Their... Well, because this kind of crap is like what we do in D.C. So, yeah, I think they could use other. Yeah, but, but D.C. hasn't came out with a licensing mechanism to license people and actually have actual licensed operators. That's the big difference. We have licensed operators. They're medical operators. And currently what's going on in this in the city is if you are an I-71 shop, which would be probably analogous to some of these New mm -hmm. York shops, is uh, this year they do get to apply. They have a year to apply for uh, a license, and they're going to make all these people medical operators, frankly, to get around Congress sucking at life. 
Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, I don't know. Well, Dale, this is a question for you because you mentioned that, you know, this boat has sailed in California and I'm suggesting that it sort of floats in D.C. How much do different state laws factor into a court's decision when looking at precedent and or are they only concerned with New York? Well, generally, you don't get out of a state's um, what we call stare decisis or their court's decisions unless there isn't a decision. Okay. And there's going to be similar decisions. The big problem that we still face, Gretchen, is that we have this split in jurisdiction. The feds still claim it's illegal. And so you've got to go fight that battle. California fought that battle in 2008 with the San Diego Normal case. And it was clear, now, federal law doesn't preempt state law here in California. Some other state could think that's differently. Say, no, you can't make this legal because it's federally illegal. So those battles haven't been fought that I'm aware of. And trying to get around all of this by finding loopholes in the law works for a minute. But unless they gave people the affirmative defenses we got here in the Compassionate Use Act and in, in SB 420, I don't know where your legal grounds are. Because you're doing something that's against the law. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. I'm, I'm with you, Dale. I, I think that they're not they're not going to be successful. I just wonder, though, ultimately, though, is if is if the, the state ends up ends up uh, um, deciding to, you know, settle with Empire and then they ultimately just give Empire a license and say, here, your six stores can stay open. Here you go. Well, yeah, that's always possible. Sorry, Luke. Go ahead. No, go ahead. It's always possible to do that. But if they came in with search warrants. I mean, there's two types. There's a criminal warrant and there's an administrative warrant. Mm -hmm. The they criminal warrant one. is going to end up in the criminal courts, and those can be discretionarily just walked away from. The administrative warrant, same thing. You get a, a, Your enforcers can go in and do for nuisance evaluations during normal business hours, but they took a bunch of product. And what happens to that? We have those battles out here in California, Jason, where they come in and pinch mm -hmm. a bunch of your product, and how do you get it back? You're not getting and that back. Yeah, yeah, but they're, they're on this one, I mean, they, they didn't have warrants, and that's why um, Lenore stopped them at the at the second shop the first time. Mm -hmm. She's actually facing one year for obstruction, um, is what she said um, on Instagram Live yesterday. She's facing up to one year for obstruction uh, for that, but they did not have warrants to enter yep. the premise, and, that, and that's why they stopped all mm -hmm. of them. Well, and then is it exigent circumstances? Did you actually see criminal activity yourself to give you the probable cause to go in without a warrant? See, those becomes battle. Yeah. And if you make the battle hard enough in the criminal court, someone will just throw it out or, or discretionarily just not pursue it. What do you do with the product? Mm -hmm. That needs to be a problem. I think there's two two lanes of victory here, too. I mean, obviously, the court the court side of it and fighting the legal case of it. But I think this is also something that pushes public sentiment and public opinion too. So uh, if you can get the people behind you in this aspect, I think that they may be able to sway because, you know, at the end of the day, these municipalities are ran by politicians. And politicians want votes. Politicians have to listen to some of their constituents in a perfect world. But um, I think in this case, if they can get enough public support behind this, and I think that's part of the angle and strategy that they're trying to use here, even if you don't have a winning case, if you fight it all the way, you use the bravado of we're ready to take go all in on this and take it all the way to the goal line, um, they might they might come out on the other end of this, maybe not 
winning in court, but maybe winning at the at the public level. And I think that could bode well for him. Yeah, but even then, they're gonna if they let's just say they have a jury, um, and anyone that that already has a bias in regards to there is going to be eliminated from their jury, and it's not going to be hard to find twelve people in New York that don't give a shit about Empire or anything that they have going on. Well, I agree with Luke. I think that yes, PR can be a winner, and that it could help perhaps get things to go away, Jason, prior to. Um, going through a drawn out legal battle that the city comes to a settlement with them. You're going to do this. You have to apply for that, blah, blah, blah. Instead of because the city's going to look bad. They can't get a marijuana market up and running. And apparently here is a very successful operating business with 120 uh, New Yorkers who are supporting it. Why is the city going to shut it down I, when they can't get anything open? Well, because because the thing is, is 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 they didn't go through the city's process of of what their whole process yeah, is, yeah, and their yeah. process oh, is such like their PR. golden child to the state of New PR. York. So I'm I'm not I'm not seeing all that one, Gretchen. But I do I, I do I do agree with you though that, that opportunity. I do agree with you that PR want to work helps. With them. I love to hear Gretchen going for the trappers of this. Mm -hmm. Ah, what the heck? I, I, you know, it's one of those days. It's one of those days. Oh, I'll go for the trap today. Uh, We're gonna, we're gonna, on that, we're gonna go to a commercial. We're gonna be right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck, smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon? iHeartRadio and Spotify. Tune in now and check it out. He's a cannabis industry's longest continuously operating retailer, known for smoking the best weed in the world and known by various aliases, depending on where you catch him. Jason Beck, what do you have for us on this beautiful? Oh, yeah. Good morning, Rico. Man, 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 I have a sad, sad story for all of you out there from Ohio because supporters of adult use marijuana in Ohio have 10 days to collect about 700 valid signatures for the ballot. That's right. Not enough valid signatures were collected to put adult use cannabis on Ohio's November ballot. The Coalition to Regulate Marijuana Like Alcohol submitted 123,367 Valid signatures, but 124,046 signatures were needed. Supporters will now have 10 days to collect the needed 679 valid signatures. In a quote, <coughs> it looks like we came up a little short in this first phase, but now we have 10 days to find 679 voters to sign a supplemental petition. This is going to be easy because a majority of Ohioans support our proposal to regulate and tax Adult use cannabis. Tom Heron, a spokesperson for the Coalition to Regulate Marijuana Like Alcohol, said in a statement, this would legalize and regulate cultivation, manufacturing, testing, and sale of marijuana to Ohioans 21 and up. It would also legalize home grow for Ohioans 21 and up with a limit of six plants per person and 12 plants per residence and impose a 10% tax at the point of sale of each transaction. The Coalition to Regulate Marijuana Like Alcohol submitted 223,176 signatures earlier this month, and Franklin County submitted the most valid signatures with 26,090, followed up by Hamilton County with 18,097, and Cuyahoga County with 14,073 signatures. 
The proposal was submitted by citizens through an initiated statute, so it is not an amendment to the state's constitution, and it's not affected by issue number one. Early voting for August 8th special election is currently underway, where Ohioans will decide if they want to make it harder to amend the state's constitution. Ohio legalized medical marijuana back in 2016, but the first dispensary didn't open until 2019, and there are 370,287 registered patients in Ohio and 174,591 patients with both an active registration and an active recommendation as of May 31st, according to the Ohio Medical Marijuana Card Program. There is another way adult use cannabis could be legalized in Ohio. State Representative Jamie Callender, Republican from Concord, and Casey Weinstein, Democrat from Hudson, introduced House Bill 168 in which may would allow Ohioans 21 and older to cultivate, purchase, and possess marijuana. And this bipartisan bill is currently in House Committee. Well, I think it's, I think this is kind of a walk in the park for these guys in Ohio to get 700 signatures in 10 days. I mean, if you guys can't get 700 signatures in 10 days, maybe you guys probably shouldn't have adult use cannabis on your ballot in the first place. But nonetheless, this is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News. What do y'all think about this? That's a uh, very high bar for them. Huh? 700 you think high 700 bar? signatures is difficult? I could do that in my sleep. I can get you 700 signatures before the end of today. Uh-huh. Yeah, go stand out front of a nightclub for one it's night. Not hard. Nightclub one night. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, but but it has to be registered voters, and a lot of people that Correct. go to nightclubs don't vote. Listen, that is some bullshit, right there. It's true. That is like one of the most bullshit statements I've ever heard. You it's say. true. <laughs> it's true. Right, well, sadly, I agree with Jason Beck. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. I, I would do some Sound door knocking that. for this effort if I were them. I mean, just stand. You just got to stand in. I mean, what they really should do is just stand in front of some head shops. You know what I mean? No, they don't vote either. You need to go to old folks' homes, retirement homes, handing out the topical and get them yeah. to sign up. Go go outside a hospital. Argue with that one. That's a good me- yeah, method. Yeah, that is not You bad. need to go really find the old people. Method, <laughs> old people vote. Yeah. And they, oh, they the initiative process. Goes around the legislature, lets the people handle it. So I, I prefer that because then, um, you know, you can. It doesn't matter if it's bipartisan in the legislature. The voters say we want it to happen. The problem is they vote in some stupid ass laws that are not drafted by people who you know draft legislation. So you can end up with some nonsensical stuff. But initiative versus the legislature has been a battle we've been seeing across the country. California had to do that back in 96 because the legislature was just whacking their peepees for years. They weren't going to do shit. So the voters, <laughs> no, no, no. We want this to happen. Okay. The same thing with 64. Stop playing around with this. Mm-hmm. In our state with adult you stop playing around with this. Let's take away the felony penalties. Mm-hmm. Let's move this towards legalization. Um, and our California has one of the most stringent initiatives in the in the country. I don't know if this initiative process is the same as ours is, whether the legislature can go in and attack it or you got to go back to the voters. But these are you know interesting issues. People are clearly tired of the bullshit going on. So if you can get an initiative in front of the people, they're typically going to vote. Let's move forward with this. Stop screwing around. Go oh, hang out by some pickleball courts. That's where they need to be. Uh, what about bocce I ball? I think uh, the 700 signatures is going to be an easy, easy move on this one. I, I see this uh, easily getting 
onto the ballot. And um, I've talked to a lot of people out in uh, in Ohio, and they are ready out there, like more than ready. Um, shout out Bone Thugs and Harmony, Cleveland, Dayton, Youngstown, Cincinnati. Um, I think that this is something that they can put on the ballot. I think this is something that will pass. I think Ohio's been ready. Um, so, you know, seven hundred, easy money. Jason, did it say how many votes they did have that got thrown out? Well, hold on a second. Let me, let me. So, so it said, it said that they submitted 123,367 signatures. They just didn't know the number? Huh? Valid. They, they submitted 123,367 valid signatures. But they right, need, I want to know how many they submitted, not valid. It doesn't say in the article how many they submitted. It only references how many valid signatures. Because generally when you do these kinds of things, for those who aren't familiar, you get thousands more mm -hmm. than you expect because you know they're going to get soft. Exactly. So I'm just wondering yeah. how close they were to the threshold to just be off by 700. I don't know if they like got up there and they're like, yeah, we got this and stop. Yeah. Well, it's also a business, Gretchen, to go get these signatures. Mm -hmm. And if you're told you got to have 127,000 or 128,000, they don't get that. Go back to, all right, bitch, hit the street. I need 700 more. You ain't getting paid for it. You should have done this right the first time. But I don't think it's going to be difficult. And I think you even go to the most conservative states, the average person's tired of this nonsense. Let's vote to make this legal. Give well, me and I also, trust me, I have gone around in my day looking for signatures on plenty of things. I also think it's not about cannabis, truly. I think there are a lot of people out there who are just willing to sign something and be willing to put something on the ballot for it to be decided. Mm -hmm. I don't think you really need a hard and fast cannabis supporter who will say, sure, put it on the ballot for discussion. I feel you. I feel you. I, 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 think, I think they're just going to have to just pound some pavement. I think this is totally a doable thing. Um, I wonder, I wonder how many they will submit. What's that? Oh. Do it. So let's get it, Ohio. Yeah, oh, Ohio. Ohio stinks at this. They've been trying forever. They're not very good at it. <laughs> hey, man. It's fault. John Boehner. Fucked oh. up the Ohio game, man. Oh, boy. You guys are, you guys are funny. All right. We're going to keep it moving. Coming up next, it's our feisty, redheaded conservative who loves to tell pot love and lives all about themselves. That's right. She's the founder of Panacta Strategies and our very own Washington Insider. It is none other than Lee. Gretchen Gailey. Morning, morning. Uh, we're already running behind because that's what we love to do. So I'm going to keep mine sweet and short. Uh, from B WBAL, recreational and medical sales in Maryland rake in $42 million over the weekend. Maryland made $42.6 million this past week in both recreational and medical cannabis sales. The new numbers beat the first week when recreational cannabis became legal in Maryland. The state brought in $21 million in sales during the first week. Uh, that's the extent of my story. Talk amongst yourselves. How's Maryland doing? Are they good for coming out the gate with uh, $42 million in the first two weeks? What's the, what's the population in Maryland, Gretchen? Not a lot. Exactly. I don't know. I th Maybe I think nine 40, million. I I'll look. I don't know. I think I think forty-two million is a lot for them, and this is this is what they've done in total revenue. This is not the the tax allocation, correct? Yes. They have a uh, six point one six five million. All right. That's, See, it's not that big. It's not a ton of people. Yeah, that's 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 a lot of money for them to do. How, I see why the hemp dealers are pissed off. Yeah. How how are they? Market. How are they doing those kinds of numbers <laughs> when you only can buy like an ounce at a time? 
Be- well, as you recall, when you were mistaken, when I brought, you know, Maryland stories to you before Jason Beck, that if you had a medical license prior, you had to convert to adult use. So all these shops immediately turned over um, and were ready for adult use. So they had over 100 stores already open, ready to roll on day one. They were transitioned. Okay. I mean, 42 million divided by 100 stores. Hold on a second. I don't know the. You want me to find out the exact number for you? Either way, I'm I think they're do doing good. Math. I think that shows that the East Coast loves them some cannabis. Why not? Let's do this. I think Maryland's <laughs> been doing all right with their rollout. I think there is also excitement behind Governor Westmore and his initiatives behind it. We'll see. What was the time period that they did this money in? Because it definitely wasn't one weekend. It says two weeks. Oh, first two weeks. weeks. They've done forty-two million. Okay, first two weeks. So that that is the average. Let's just say that they have a hundred stores. That's four hundred and twenty thousand a store in two weeks. Mm, I'm I'm not sure. Maybe, possibly, but I doubt it. I think these numbers are a little skewed. I think these numbers are a little skewed. I think someone added. I think someone added a zero. Well, you know what cannabis does go for on the East Coast is a tad more. There's like New York valuations. I I do think like people were were ready out there too. Like I was hearing a lot of chatter about the Maryland market even before it it popped. I think they were ready. Um, You know, that does sound like doing great numbers for the first two weeks. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it took our store a year before we were hitting a million a month. So, uh, you know, hats off to Maryland. Yeah. Especially for such a small state, too. Like, they're really good numbers. Yeah, they must be getting all of the overflow from Virginia coming into Maryland. Um, that's, no, that's not happening. People mm-hmm. do not like to cross the river. This people, is, no. I mean, people Virginians are definitely doing that. Virginians are not going to Maryland. We, I guarantee they might. you. They 100% oh, no, aren't. No, if if no, they did, no, if no, they're they doing numbers like that, that's we'll definitely some Virginia dollars in there for sure. Sacrifices on behalf of this plant mm-hmm. access. So. <laughs> I, I, think, I think a lot of this could also be driven by tourism. I think this is a lot of beachgoers. Oh, yeah, because so many people want to go to Maryland for tours. Hey, you know what? Yeah. We do have the beach. But that's where you go to the beach. It's either you go to Maryland or you got to drive really far down to Southern If Virginia you're on the East Coast, you go, go to Florida. Yeah, and Maryland is known for popping Virginia residents trying to get shit across borders. Mm-hmm. You don't fuck with Maryland. They're heavy-handed on the police and enforcement in Maryland. So I don't think there's a lot of Virginia people. I could see people no. coming down from Pennsylvania. So. Yeah. I'm just saying, you get a lot of people who are crossing. Jason Beck, you may find this hard to believe, mm-hmm. but when I was a small child in Pittsburgh, if I wanted to go to the ocean, you we'd had to go all the way to New Jersey or Maryland to generally go, or Delaware. I believe that. That's oh, or geographically my parents correct. would lie to me and tell me that Lake Erie was the ocean, which they call the Polish Ocean. And then we'd be like, <laughs> Mommy, where are the waves? And they're like, it's a quiet day. It's a quiet day. Shut up. Go go play in the sand. Uh-huh. That's what they would call. That's what they would do to us. That's oh, so that's uh, we got a lot of Polacks in Pittsburgh, so we don't care. Wow. Um, oh man, there are. <laughs> I'm just saying. So yeah, so it does not surprise me. A number of Pennsylvanians go to Maryland for the beach. Real trap shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry for all the Polish I've offended, but oh man, you've offended so many theory. Polish. The Polish Ocean. So many Polish dogs all right, are offended wrap it up, right now. On. Let's keep it going for mm-hmm. once. All right, mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna keep it moving. We're gonna go right into a commercial. We're gonna be right back. 
The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. Oh yeah, stop whatever you're doing. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're not already subscribed. And also check out our website. You can see all the articles, all the stories, everything on top of merch. And make sure you sign up for our newsletter as well. Share it with your friends because organic growth is the best growth. Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. He is a 36-year practicing attorney, founding partner at Armada Law Corp, and everybody's favorite foul-mouthed uncle, Dale Schaefer. Good morning, everybody. I've got a story that involves one of those boring parts of the law that few people know about until you end up getting bit on the ass by it. And it's the headline comes out of uh, Law 360, Pod Companies Try to Move Toxic Chemical Claims to Arbitration. And... What this, this case involves, and it's um, three former workers, and I don't know if I'll screw their names up, Arsenault, Papas Myris, and Feliciano, a bunch of Irish boys, okay? And they sued Cush, Val Cush Alley and MVM products or productions, and they sued them for a bunch of stuff that is heinous, weren't paid appropriately under our labor code. They were forced to be involved with chemicals without proper PPEs or personal protection equipment, things like that. They weren't properly trained in the use of these, you know, herbicides and pesticides. And they were told, they were told to lie to regulators when they came in looking for pesticides and blah, 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 blah. And so what they did is they, they quit and they sued for constructive termination because this company, these companies are violating the law. Well, it turns out that part of their employment onboarding was that they signed a separate arbitration agreement. And this arbitration agreement, it locks you into anything and everything that you could possibly think about suing the company for. You got to go to arbitration. Now, I'm not against arbitration. I use these clauses in my contracts a lot. <clears throat> I've also arbitrated cases before, so I'm comfortable with it. But some of these claims um, may not easily fit under an arbitration clause. And these involve violations of California's labor law, especially. Um, but in California, if you make a complaint to the labor board, um, they can take action or you can be given the right to go sue separately. So these statutes are going to have to be looked at individually to see, can you really force these to arbitration? Because what the defendants did is they filed in this in the civil court a motion to stay the proceedings and compel arbitration. And they went through a lengthy array of why this, you know, is not 
uh, unconscionable and against um, public policy. We'll have to see, because my experience, the people we're looking at here, they're claiming they were uh, integrated pest management specialists, whatever the hell that's supposed to mean. One guy was a manufacturing associate, and next thing you know, he's an integrated pest management specialist, which tells me their categories are bullshit. Just some guy was hired and stuck into a room, told to burn sulfur and go back in and, you know, tin plants or spray stuff on there. And if the, if the enforced, if the, uh, somebody comes in from the state, lie to them, hide this stuff, don't tell them what it is. These are laws that are designed to protect the public. So whether they can force these into confidential arbitration, it's going to be a, something to watch. And for, for people who don't know about this industry, if you've never dealt with litigation before, and you don't know what arbitration is, and they stick something in front of you that clearly says in bold light letters, arbitration, you give up your right to go to civil court, you just scribble your name like you're signing terms of service on the internet, you're liable to have that come back and be shoved up your ass. And these folks look like that's what's going to happen. Now, I've gone to court and forced people to go to arbitration. We just did one recently in our our firm somebody was dicking around we went to sit the civil court the judge told him if you don't go do this i'm going to find you in contempt and he schlepped over and did arbitration but you don't get any public information about what happens with this stuff okay? i don't know if any court's going to want to consider whether there's a public policy to keep some of the stuff in the public or not we will see but be careful when you sign arbitration agreements that you really understand what you're doing and take the time, and if, if it's implied to you that you have to sign this, you can't work here, you may have some arguments as to why this is not enforceable. So there's another one of those boring parts of the industry that will bite you on the ass if you ain't careful. Throw it back out to the group. What do you guys think? I mean, I mean, Dale, what, what, so were, were any of these... Uh and any of these products that they're that they're that they're claiming the the, the chemical claims were any of these uh, did they did they list any of these with the state that they actually had them on their site? The claim is that several of them were illegal, okay. Or if you're going to use them, you had have to have a special federal license to administer this stuff. None of which they got. Mm. Part of the claim they weren't trained properly. Um, so. I'm going to assume some of the stuff you might find out in illegal grow in the forest where someone was dumping the shit on there to keep the deer away and to kill the field mice and to kill fungus and stuff like that. And it's just not safe for use on cannabis. So, so, so it is also too possible too that that some of these employees could later on uh, come around and file some other type of counterclaim as far as a hazardous workspace too against these companies. Correct. Well, that's where I think this gets kind of confusing. Because if some employer is violating the EPA or state environmental laws or state labor laws, you go right to those agencies first. Mm -hmm. And those agencies have jurisdiction, they call it, over this. And if they decide to take action, you know, no employer can force those to arbitration. But if the employee then tries to sue the employer individually, that's where these private rights of action can be forced into arbitration. So I'm, we're going to have to see whether these agencies want to step in and take control of this or they're just going to stand back and let this go. Interesting, interesting, interesting. You guys have if anything else? If it has else? to do with cannabis, they'll probably just stand back and let it go like most of these uh, enforcement agencies do nowadays. Well, we're considered soft crime still. So whatever happens there, ah, it's your problem. Somebody died, oh. And price of doing business, you know. 
oh man, oh man. Gretchen, what do you think about this? All these chemicals. I don't know. Dale put me to sleep with that one. So I, I, ain't, got, I ain't got much on that. Oh. The boring part is the law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Law is boring until your ass is in trouble. Yep. Well, and that's when I call a lawyer, Dale. I don't I mess know, around. But sometimes you buried yourself before I get in. So. I don't sign nothing. Ever. I've learned my lesson there. Oh, boy. That's a story for another day. It's like signing nothing but the back of a check. Mm -hmm. And a prenup. Prenup. After it's over, you go, man, I regretted that. Well, yeah, but you still did it. So there you are. Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. We're going to keep it moving. Coming up next, she's a mom. She's an uh, Emerald Cup edibles judge. And... She's a cannabis executive who wants to show how being a cannabis executive at Edibles, Judge in the Emerald Cup, and Motherhood all can go hand in hand and can be rocked in one world. That's right. It is none other than the Mandy Tingler. You're on mute, Mandy. You're on mute. I'm back. Hi. <laughs> all righty. So, guys, guess what? Haven't had a recent update on all these new proposed legislation that's getting passed through or being reduced to ash. I'm about to recap it all for you. Today's article comes from Marijuana Moment, and the Key House Committee clears marijuana and psychedelics amendments for floor, for floor votes while blocking others. Key House Committee is allowing marijuana and psychedelics amendments to receive floor votes. Measures, which are being proposed to attach to a large-scale spending bill focusing on allowing U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs doctors to recommend medical cannabis to military veterans and promoting research into substances like psilocybin and MDMA. Meanwhile, the House Rules Committee on Tuesday blocked an additional amendment that would end the practice of drug testing job applicants for marijuana at certain federal agencies and separately address VA medical marijuana issues from advancing as part of a fiscal year 2024 appropriations legislation that covers military construction, veterans affairs, and regulated agencies. Earlier in the month, the committee blocked more than a dozen other drug policy reform amendments, unfortunate, that were proposed as a part of the National Defense Authorization Act. The current spending bill, two sets of bipartisan lawmakers had separately filed identical amendments to provide protections for veterans who use medical marijuana in legal states, as well as doctors at the VA who issue recommendations to allow participation in such programs. But one of the measures was revised ahead of the committee meeting to specifically prohibit the use of VA funds to ensure provisions of of existing directive that bars doctors from making the medical cannabis recommendation. That amendment, which is now advancing to a floor vote, was introduced by the co-chairs of the Congressional Cannabis Caucus and Republican Brian Mast and Earl Blumenhauer, which is a Democrat in Oregon, um, Dave Joyce, Republican out of Florida, and Barbara Lee from California. 
They were later joined by other Republicans, McGovern, Gates, and additional co-sponsors. At Tuesday's Rules Committee hearing, Mast urged members to allow the reform to get a floor vote. He described his own experience as a military veteran who has administered a slew of addictive prescription drugs while he was incapacitated from an injury. He suggested that veterans should have the ability to use cannabis as an alternative form of medication doesn't come with the same detriment to their families as potent legal narcotics. This made me so excited to hear somebody say like this. Um, Mast says that veterans are in a situation with our VA hospitals where their doctors are not able to have real honest discussions with them about the medication of cannabis use and whether it's a good or bad choice for them. Uh, Ralph, uh, Republican Ralph Norman from South Carolina asked for clarification around the amendment and concluded that it's, quote, amazing that that's not allowed for VA physicians to help their patients qualify for state medical cannabis programs. The cannabis amendment that was proposed and is not being allowed for a floor vote would have more broadly prohibited the VA from using funding to interfere with veterans' participation in state medical cannabis programs, doctors filling out recommendations, or to deny benefits to veterans who use medical marijuana. Um, there's been all kinds of legislation uh, for years in Congress to ensure veterans receive the care that they deserve. But for some veterans, that care can include medical cannabis, Stube said in a press release. VA should not preclude a veteran from benefits as they use legal cannabis or legal cannabis products in their state. This is a bipartisan issue, and I'm hopeful that colleagues on both sides of the aisle will support this amendment. The summary of the proposal posted by the Rules Committee says that it increases and decreases the medical and prosthetic research account of the Department of Veteran Affairs to ensure the VA conducts at large scale studies into the efficacy of drugs that the FDA designated breakthrough therapy status, treat post-traumatic stress disorder through the VA, and administer drug-assisted therapy trials. These psychedelic measures and the Veterans Medical Cannabis Amendment that are advancing are expected to be brought up on the House floor as soon as this Wednesday, so today. Another amendment, which the panel blocked from advancing, came from Republican Robert Garcia from California, or excuse me, Representative Robert Garcia from California, he is a Democrat, I just make that clear, would have ended the practice of drug testing job applicants for marijuana at certain federal agencies filed an identical amendment to, this, to the suspending legislation of agricultural, rural development, food and drug administration, and related agencies, which the Rules Committee is scheduled to take up today. You guys, this goes on and on. There's a couple more paragraphs that I'm going to spare you because we're going to have the rest of this article on the website. But I'm very excited about this legislation. There's a lot of talk going on. There is obviously the same authors and, and folks proposing a lot of this legislation, but it's important topics that are coming up. And this is a really great recap article. So I highly recommend you visit the website and check out the rest. Um, there's a lot happening today. So pay close attention to Cannabis News this evening to see what the outcome is. And this is Mandy or AKA Carmen Sacramento coming to you live. Hyatt Nine News. What do you guys think about all these proposed le legislative options that we're talking about here? I, 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 
Go ahead, Bill. I'm a veteran. I'm disabled. I have VA medical benefits, and it's bullshit. I've been there, and the knuckleheads who the triage doctors taking you won't talk to you about this. They want you to drug test before anything. And I told him, look, you know, I had a piss in a bottle when I was in the Navy. I had a piss in the bottle when I was under court supervision. So you got a warrant? I'll let you know. Otherwise, a lot of the stuff that's happening is not for medical purposes in the VA because of politics. And you're going to have to break through this with clear legislation that smacks these people on the head. Because the echelon up above these doctors, they don't want this to happen. And the doctors are pussies. They don't want to fight them. So you end up having to deal with these guys, guys, they're the physicians that are there. They don't want to play this game. It's too much trouble for them. So the poor veterans end out in the street out there. And if you show up with a positive um, marijuana test, affects your gun rights. I mean, there are a lot of things that go along with this. So to demand that people be tested, to play these games with them, the veterans I represent, we're not going to do with you anymore. We go get our, our weed and our psychedelics someplace else and just stay clear away from the VA because they're not helping us. It's pretty typical. You go put your life on the line for this country and you come home and they go, well, let's talk about that. Well, let's think about that. Yeah, well, fuck you. We all did our duty. Time to take care of us now. Mm -hmm. Here, here. Yeah. Uh, I agree with Dale. I think all this legislation, frankly, is bullshit. Um, the only consequential piece of cannabis legislation moving uh, around Congress right now is safe banking. Uh, veterans are not having this issue that people are describing here. Uh, this is all a PR stunt by Stuby and his pals to pretend that they care about veterans and cannabis come election time. Uh, it Let's does not matter... This vote is garbage. They're wasting <laughs> their time. If you want to hear about toothless legislation, take a look at this bullshit. Oh, boy. Toothless I'm legislation. Toothless. Oh, man. Lipstick on the pig is what it is. It's, it's junk. It's junk. They're passing this to try and look good because that's what they can pretend to care about. And if you notice the revision that they made to this... Uh, was to keep it from which might get it passed um is not allowing va funds so it's taking the onerous off of the va so the feds don't have to come out and say we're paying for this mm -hmm. an illegal substance dip shits yeah. dip shits wasting our time pass safe banking yeah that's what i'm talking about pass safe banking already we're so what was that gretchen that is my hate it. That was that was like piss poor. We didn't even get the good. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> hate it. Next. Oh man. We got our, uh, we got our final uh, commercial. No, no, we're we're all good. We're ready. All right, let's go. Bringing yep. us home today is the author, the author, activist, entrepreneur, OG trailblazer, justice ambassador for Glasshouse Brands, and most importantly, fellow dope girl. Dad. Luz Carmazzo, what you got for us today, my man? Good to have you back, my brother. Hey, I have a story coming out of Forbes of Andrew and Abrams that says police take you're, you're, you're on mute. You're on mute, Luke. Luke, you're on mute. You need to unmute. There we Sorry go. No worries. There's, a, there's still a learning curve when you get out of prison. It's my all bad, good, baby. Audience. Good morning. Uh, happy Wednesday. 
my story comes to you out of Forbes.com by Benjamin Adams. It says titled Release Papers Challenge Consumers to Act and Free Cannabis Prisoners, a, a story that hits close to home for me. Simply by buying a pack of rolling papers, you can make an impact in the lives of prisoners who are currently behind bars for nonviolent victimist cannabis related convictions. Monday, Vibes, a rolling paper brand created by rapper and entrepreneur Burner, announced that it is teaming up with The Last Prisoner Project to launch release papers, papers that advocate on behalf of the four, of four specific individuals imprisoned for cannabis-related convictions. This includes some of the most cruel and hypocritical prison sentences that still somehow stand, such as the case of Ed Edwin Rubis, who is essentially did the same thing as any licensed distributors now do in dozens of states, but received the equivalent of a life sentence with 40 years behind bars. Hector McGurk, on the other hand, delivered cannabis and tractors and was vilified in the media as a drug kingpin and was sentenced to life after a hung jury failed to find him guilty the first time. Mohammed Tahir and Ricardo Ashmead are also both serving over 20 years for cannabis-related offenses. Today, Many people in legalized states take freely consuming cannabis for granted, said Stephanie Shepard, the LPP board member and director of advocacy, tells Forbes in an email. The goal of release papers is to remind consumers of the people that paved the way for this industry but are still being unjustly punished for the same action. An insert with the constituent's name is inserted in each pack, which makes the user stop, reflect, and take action before they roll up for justice. Release Papers aims to transform the transform rolling cannabis into an opportunity to educate and engage the public to participate in advocating for prisoners. Each paper includes one of the name of the incarcerated people. Consumers can scan the QR code of the rolling paper that takes them to a website where supporters can sign the Clemency Now petition, urging President Joe Biden to release federal cannabis prisoners and participate in a letter writing program, which sends letters to the four featured inmates. So many people are still locked up with lengthy sentences related to cannabis, while at the same time, so many states have made up their mind that cannabis should be, should be legal. And those states are where the people are still serving time, which makes absolutely no sense. Campaigns like this are part of who I am, we have to speak up, stand next to and support causes like the Last Prisoner Project. I helped raise awareness around Richard DeLisi, Corvain Cooper, and soon Robert Deals. There are so many people to fight for, and I need your help to fight for their freedom, said Berner, founder of CEO of Vimes. Um, so this this has a lot to break down on. There's a lot of layers on this. I you know, love that everybody's coming together to raise awareness. Um, I like that Burner and Last Prisoner Project come in collaborating on this and, and coming up with an idea. You know, the release papers is a is, is a dope idea. Um, the only knock that I have on this is that I wish that we would do more than write letters and send uh, raise awareness. I feel like the raise awareness, I mean, it's important. Listen, I do it all the time. Um, it's, it's important to continue to speak the names of the people that are still locked up. Um, but let's use some of these resources to attack the problem at its core. It's we, we have to get in front of the people that can make decisions. We have to get in front of the halls of power. Um, we got to go hang out with Gretchen over in DC. We have to go do like 
when I was in prison and I would receive a letter, um, you know, that's great and, and all that stuff. And it, it makes you feel remembered and not forgotten. But at the same time, if you took that letter and wrote it to a senator that maybe was on the fence about uh, prison reform or cannabis reform or wrote it to somebody that can actually have an influence, a judge maybe that I have my clemency or a, a compassionate release petition in front of, those are the things that I think can be more effective. I applaud uh, the effort that they're doing. I love that they're they're going forward and, and, and making an impact in this space. Um, if we can focus it more to where I think that impact can be more effective, I think that would be great. But I still, you know, that's off the burner in the last prisoner project. A lot of the people that are in there that they're advocating for um, and have advocated for, I know personally, Corvain, Richard, both very good people. Uh, Edwin's doing a gang of time. Mohammed, uh, everybody calls him Mo. He he was in the prison that I was in in, in Louisiana and Pollock. Uh, so like, listen, we got to come together. I don't know how much longer we're still going to be talking about people being stuck in prison for a nonviolent cannabis offense when we're passing legislation and doing millions and millions of dollars in sales and states that are right next to the halls of power that make these decisions. Let's end this injustice. Stop making people do time in a cage behind a plant that is ridiculous why am I even talking about this story right now? But I am. Support the, the rolling papers, release papers. Go out and buy a pack, roll one up, and smoke it. That's me, Luis Garmazzo, high at nine news on hump day. Yada da mean. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, they just got my rolling paper business. Mm. That's for sure. Oh, well, well, well said. The problem still is these minimum mandatories, Luke. That's where you just get raped. I mean, they, they watched me for three years, and once I got to 100 plants, dude, they had me for five years. And if you got 1,000 plants, it's 10 years, and they start adding these enhancements on. And that goes clear back to the Lynn Bias death from cocaine. I remember, if you don't remember that, back in the Reagan administration, Tip O'Neill said, I'm not going to go for minimum mandatories. Lynn Bias dies from a coke heart attack, and all of a sudden, the Boston Celtics lost their number one star, and we're in for minimum mandatories, and all these people, these old goats now run the government, ready to sign on for that shit. And we can't get them to let go of it, and Biden's just one of them. He was happy to sign on to this stuff, so was Clinton, so I'm not defending Democrats. It's not any one particular party's fault. They all got in the feeding frenzy. And I don't know about you, Luke, I remember them escorting guys off the campus had been wrapped into this crack co cocaine disparity, and they just told them, "You're done." They kick them out the door. You got to leave. Why can't we have something like that? And I agree. Um, sending, you know, sending letters to prisoners, and I appreciated mine too. Uh, it didn't fix the problem. And if Burner and the other people that are doing this would get to somebody like Gretchen, go, "How do we target this?" Like you're saying, let's target all this and write this shit to the, to the right people in Congress and keep it up. We might have a chance to get over this. Yeah, uh, thank you. I thought that was really, really well put um, with, the, with your story, Luke, and I definitely appreciate your uh, perspective on it. And even if you don't agree with these initiatives, the fact that they are doing something, man, um, it says a lot about the organizations. <laughs> and Find other local organizations if you don't want to support this one and, and do the same. I think we should all be doing a little bit to help the uh, 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 to help the prisoners out and uh, get these people from behind the I, bars. 
I'm sorry, but I while I appreciate this sweet little window dressing from Last Prisoner Project, uh, <laughs> I agree with Luke uh, that if you want to write a letter, yes, it's nice. Write a letter to a congressman. Write a letter to a senator. And if you need help, I will do it for you. If you go to my website, you will find letter templates. And I would love to work with you, Luke, on one specifically on this issue that we can post. And also on my website, there is a place where you don't know who your representatives are. Click a button. I'll tell you. We'll send it for you. It's not that damn hard, people. I do all the work for you. Yes. Panoptic uh, hyphen strategies dot com is my website. I got lots of bullshit about writing letters. Love to write a letter. I will help you do it. I will craft letters for you. You tell me what you want. We will put it out there. I love a good letter writing campaign. And I'm happy to work with Last Prisoner Project on how to write a letter. This is not that hard. It is so doable. Uh, Write a letter. Luke, Luke, I have a quick question for you. I, I just want to know your, your 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 thoughts in regards to uh to Nick's Nick's comment in the in the, in the comments. He says the only reason Burner helped Richard Delisi is because Rick was part of his crew. Um, Burner, listen, Burner has done done a lot of uh, social justice advocacy work, so I'm not going to disparage him on what his reasons were behind why he helped people. The, the point of the fact is that he actually helped people. Um, whatever your motives are for doing good, um, you know, are your own motives. So uh, Richard is a good dude. I've, I've met Richard on several occasions. He uh, was one of the longest serving uh, cannabis prisoners in the US. I think he did like 30 something years. It was ridiculous. Um, but he's out now. He's, he's, he got his own brand, uh, Delicioso, supported if you see it in stores. Um, so, you know, listen, uh, it, it's easy to, to throw darts at a lot of the people. And, and you know, I, I hear what Nick's saying, but, you know, if Burner is out there and he's actually doing the good work, uh, I'm behind him on it. I can disagree with you on a bunch of stuff, but if we find some common ground on some issues that are important with you, important to me, I'm with you 100%. So I'm going to second what Gretchen said and uh, go to the Canoptics slash strategy. Panoptics slash strategies.com. I'm going to get with you uh, offline, Gretchen. I, you know, I would love to collaborate with you on this stuff. And maybe we can kind of help, you know, funnel this energy into some of the right directions to where it lands in, on the right desk and lands and, and it doesn't fall on deaf ears, but actually falls on some ears that where people are going to be sympathetic or maybe hear our story and, you know, push this needle forward. It's going to take the, the federal government does not move with just a, a nudge. They need a huge uh, tidal wave of, of information and a tidal wave of energy going towards them to get them to move the needle at all. So uh, if we're going to do that, we have to come together on it, not 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 be divided on on who's doing what or what's doing what. Thank you for saying that. Luke. Straight up, man. Also, I just like to throw out there that lately I've been hearing from every corner that there's just so much negative energy out there in the world. And I feel like everybody's just got like hysterected anxiety. So maybe take a step back. Take a deep breath, redirect that negative energy into something that's going to do some good for the industry as a whole. A hundred percent. Thank you so much for taking this like bull by the horns and offering to help people and um, just keep 
keep pushing forward. Hell yeah. And, and with that, we are at the top of the hour. A great way to end this show on a positive note. Thank you all for joining us today for episode, uh, another episode of High Nine News. Catch us weekdays live at 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to super fans showing us love and getting their comments live on the big screen. The live audience members and online supporters catching us across all media platforms. Tuning in for conversations on the daily headlines. To our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the table. To our production team, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, The Vortex, all our sponsors keeping the lights on and our AV struggles to a minimum. And of course, the lovely Zsa Simone holding things down on every other platform. As always, Cannabis Sativa L, the reason that we show up every single day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It has been Wednesday, July 26th, 2023. The show's over. You've all been blessed with today's top industry headlines. Hope it was enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow. Luz Garmazzo, you got the outro today, my man. What you got for these good people? Well, on Wednesday, um, I'm just going to go ahead and echo a few more names. I'm going to say free Frank Rogers. Free Bubba Johnson, free Mandy Carlson, and free everyone else who's still incarcerated from cannabis. But we still need to do that. Don't forget, come together. Come watch High at Nine News and see where we're doing the real work, covering the real stories. And we out.